This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew. And it's time it's once time again to go to the planet of the space dragons. Just the planet of the dragons, which is definitely in space. On the back of the book, it says space dragons. Where does it say that? Oh, the space dragons. But the yeah. name of the book is Planet of the Dragons. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But they are space dragons. But they are space dragons because it's a different planet with dragons on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this is a show that we do that isn't always like the episode you're about to hear. So on other weeks, you might hear me and Andrew. We're two good friends who Mm -hmm. have been reading books together for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And we read books that we generally have not read before. And we talk about them. And so we're going to do that this time. But it's going to be a little different. I haven't read this book before. <laughs> no, I've not read. I haven't even cracked the spine on this bad boy. Um, this is the the latest in a long series of choose your own adventure episodes based on classic eighties choose your own adventure books. Um, yeah, some that's 90s right. Books, please. We're back. Uh, sometimes legally uh, uh, beleaguered. <laughs> But, that's my favorite but we, yeah, sequel we, to legally blonde is legally beleaguered. <laughs> legally beleaguered. but uh we're gonna keep we're gonna keep doing it and nobody can tell us not to if you enjoy this episode or you're like what are they doing you can also go check out our we did uh recently war with the mutant spider ants in march of 2022 that's episode 520 and then the most recent one before that it was moon quest Episode 476. Oh, yeah. Moon Quest is the one where you're like jumping around on the moon yeah. and, and like your weird harness. They give a lot of thought to the way that people would get around on them. They don't just have like moon buses. If, if I had <laughs> if I had seen Moon Show before we recorded Moon Quest, I might have mm-hmm. even been more hyped for Moon Quest because mm-hmm. it was really concerned with the mechanics of the moon. But And about moon separatists, but we didn't oh get into God, that. Oh, my God. The moon <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, so we, what we do when we do these books is we each we each read a page to each other. We do the voices. I've not given any thought at all to the voices no. that we're going to bring. We've to this never episode. given thought at all to the I've voices. I've given some thought. I I will say like I don't want to go for Ray Romano right away because that's like one of my you know crown jewels. He's always voice wise. He's always lurking. You got to say no, Ray. Looking. No, back Ray. in the not, corner. Not today. And he's like, oh no. <laughs> um. Get out of here, Ray. <laughs> uh, we're, we're going to read each other the pages. We're going to do the voices, and we're going to make the choices. And <laughs> How did we just get there? Do the voices make the choices? Yeah, and uh, and yeah, we're going to get to like three-ish endings. That usually ends up being about an hour, and we're just going to have fun with it. Yeah, and then maybe we'll flip through and, and look at some other stuff. But yeah. 
So this um, is a Choose Your Own Adventure 75, Planet of the Dragons by Richard Brightfield. Craig, you said you had found some things on Mr. Brightfield. Yeah, so this book was published um, 1988. Uh, it is from the original Choose Your Own Adventure run. Um, you know, I don't have too many on my... There's nothing really about the used copy that I purchased of note. We'll, we'll talk about the, like... The text and the illustrations, but it's not. I don't have like Corey's copy or anything. No, just, the, the m- most interesting thing on mine is that of the two used bookstore stickers that are on it, one of them says University Bookstore, and I don't know it. I don't know what university it is. Like, there's literally no other identifying <laughs> okay. information on it. But I do want to know what University Bookstore it was that we're stocking. Would also like to know. Yeah. Um, so, Mister Richard Brightfield wrote 17 choose-your-own-adventure titles. Um, His first was Secret of the Pyramids in 1983, and his last was Master of Kendo. Uh, He wrote a lot of martial arts ones, actually. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I found a profile. He does have a Wikipedia page. I found a profile of him on fantasticfiction.com, and not an article Mm -hmm. or an interview, just... A list of all the stuff he wrote, um, mm-hmm. and both of them mentioned that you know he was a pretty accomplished game books writer. Um, he wrote for other series. He wrote several uh, choose your own nightmare books, choose your own adventure, <laughs> young Indiana Jones books. Um, he also Andrew wrote a bunch of books, six of them at least. In the Your Amazing Adventures books, which were okay, published sounds... by Tor, <laughs> they were similarly mm-hmm. um, narratively narrative branching game books. But what do you? I'm going to say the title again, Andrew, and you just tell me what you think the primary hook was. Is your it's amazing. Your Amazing Adventures? You're you're having an adventure in a maze. No, I don't know that every book included a maze. In a in the literal sense, is it like a dungeon sort of like crawling through graph paper kind of one off tabletop? Every choice involved solving a literal maze inside the book, and then (sighs) if you got you know if you didn't go the way the book wanted you to, you got a bad ending, kind of Dragon's Lair style, and then you had to go back to the maze. Are we talking like? Like line maze, restaurant yes. placemat sort of maze, or are we talking like uh, you turned right now? There exits to your no, north. No, I'm, I'm pretty west. sure it's like okay. just one page is like a mat from Cracker Barrel, and you have to find your way through the story. Well, I can only imagine why that did not <laughs> catch on and continue into the modern day. Because it sounds hard and boring. It sounds like a really fun combination. Uh, on get on. Demian's web uh, game book webpage, gamebooks.org, there is a review of uh, Mr. Brightfield's Castle of Doom, um, and he talks about how there's only one or two quote-unquote successful paths, uh, and was kind of surprised that no one else had been talking about these amazing books. Uh, well, I, I can yeah, think of a couple of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, he's just like, I was kind of surprised that we... That it was an author we hadn't read before. Yeah, because we've read like a couple of ninja adjacent yeah. ones at this point, haven't we? We read ninja stuff, but 
none in this master of and then insert martial art form, which this mm-hmm. guy loved to do. Okay. Uh, but this one, Planet of the Dragons, was kind of smack dab in the middle of his oeuvre. So we were probably, you know, dealing with him at the height of his adventure-choosing powers before he has jumped the, the shark. influence. Uh, mm-hmm. He is not a shark, but he has jumped it into his, you know, karate adventures. So that's what I could find. Um, he was born in 1927. Did I say that? He's, <laughs> I don't recall, but it's good to know. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. well, let's take a quick break, Andrew, and then we can talk about both the outside and the inside of this book. Overdue This Week is brought to you by Bombas. Yes, you can make lots of choices in life, and we hope you will choose to get yourself some nice socks from Bombas. Bombas also makes gifting easy with socks, underwear, and t-shirts that feel good and do good. They feel good because they're thoughtfully designed with the softest materials, and they do good because for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone in need. So whether you've got somebody on your list who's just impossible to buy for, if you need a little stocking stuffer to fill in the corners, or if you are thinking about getting a gift for the most important person yourself... Bombas has something we think you're going to like. Bombas socks, underwear, t-shirts, and slippers are cozy upgrades to everyday basics and the perfect gift for everyone on your list. Their holiday collection puts a modern twist on traditional festive colors and designs. Think rich purples and greens, geometric snowflake designs, sweater-inspired textures, and retro ski patterns. And again, every time you purchase an item from Bombas, Bombas donates another item to someone in need. So far, they've donated over 75 million items of clothing. That's a whole lot of comfort and a whole lot of good. So give the good this holiday season with Bombas. Go to bombas.com slash do and use code do. That's D-U-E for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash do code do the word do D-U-E. For 20% off, bombas.com slash do, code do, D-U-E. Tell me about this cover. I see you looking at it bemusedly. The the first thing I, well, not the first thing I saw. The thing that I'm seeing now that I've looked at it a few times is I don't see legs on any of these dragons and it's freaking me out. (laughs) Yo! It's just arms and tails and wings. Yo, okay, that's <laughs> and maybe the maybe the, the illustrator is just like legs are hard to draw. <laughs> I'm gonna like they're behind the wings. It's perspective or something. But. Maybe, but it's pretty consistent across all the dragons. Across all four depicted dragons. Uh, yes, I have. I am more familiar with in in what uh, other fantasy uh, oeuvres is typically like a wyvern mm-hmm. or a wyvern where like there's not they don't have arms they just have the wings but they do have legs sometimes they can have like little t-rex little silly t-rex arms yes i have never i have do- i've never encountered a dragon like a space dragon like this with that big is- muscly human arms and I mean, it's very—it's a little trogdor, if I'm being honest. And then big wings, and then no legs. It's a little like a like a naga, like one of those like snake monsters. Um, you get that on a red hat. Yeah. Well, come on now. <laughs> um, so there are two tweens in space 
outfits. Yeah, blue spacesuits. Blue spacesuits. No helmets. No, yeah, no helmets. So we no know there's helmets. a breathable oxygen atmosphere on the planet of the dragons. Um, and they are... Which I guess you would need for the fire from the dragons. The so dragons would need it, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, they are running. One of them has brown hair and one of them has kind of strawberry blonde hair. Um, it's and kind of a dishwasher, dishwater blonde. Sure. Um, and dishwasher blonde. Yeah, dishwasher blonde. <laughs> they are on some sort of jungly volcano surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are four dragons that we can see easily. Maybe there's a fifth one back there uh, chasing them. And the dragons are blown fire out their f- mouth and also out of their nostrils. Mm-hmm. And they got four fingers on each hand and no legs. <laughs> and they're very muscly dragons. Mm-hmm. They have good biceps, triceps, delts. Quads, delts. Yeah. Smelts, um, belts, quilts. Yeah. So that's the that's the cover. Mm-hmm. Um, not, nothing else is jumping out about, to me about these tweens, though. I mean, it's. I think it is notable that they are both girls instead of. I feel like the the de facto choose your own adventure. Yeah, that's true. Character is like some twelve year old boy. Yeah, that's true. But other than that, yeah, no, it's it's like it's pretty good. I like it. It's good. The glowing effect on the dragon is nice. Still weirded out by a lack of legs, but. Oh yeah, you, you, it is like refracted light onto the dragon's face. Yeah, that's no, it looks cool. nice. Yeah. Um. All right. Do you want to read the warning, Andrew? Do you want me to read the warning? I think you should read the warning. Please okay. warn me. Warn me, Daddy. Great. So across from some sort of sketch of the Shire, I don't know. Um, warning! This is in the book. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. You will have many different adventures when you land on a distant planet that's inhabited by fire-breathing dragons. Mm-hmm. As you read along, you will be able to make choices. Your choices will determine what happens to you next... Will you defeat the dragons before they defeat you? Well, why are we being set up for conflict? Why can't we exist peacefully with the dragons? Think carefully before you make a choice. The fearsome dragons aren't the only strange creatures on the planet of Tambor. Good luck. Now, that line there gives me ca- like cause for concern. Why? Because we're on the Jeffrey Tambor planet? No, because they've already tipped their hand that there's stuff in this book that is not the dragons. That's not dragons. And what if we don't meet the dragons? What if we don't meet the dragons? Uh, First, we should, I guess, just do an edition check. Is the last page in your edition 117? That is correct, yes. Okay, great, good. We've never had a problem yet, but the first time we don't check is the first time it's going to happen. Oh, look, there's an about the author back here. Uh, Richard Brightfield is a graduate of Johns Hopkins University, where he studied biology, psychology, and archaeology. He was a graphic designer at Columbia University, and then he wrote a bunch of game books. Mm-hmm. And then the illustrator Judith Mitchell was born and raised in New York City, uh, went to school some places, to and illustrated some other things. Yep. Yeah. When the artist isn't Whoa. working, she enjoys music, animals, cooking, collecting antiques, and travel. She and did Space she Vampire, in... Andrew. Oh, they, did, they did Space Vampire? Judith did. did. Judith did. Judith did. Ooh, those are good illustrations. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Let's get into the book. All right. Read to me. You stare forlornly at your cramped surroundings, the curved titanium shell that encloses you and its tightly packed array of instrumentation. Will you ever get out of this life pod, you wonder? 
according to the computer, your life pod is now approaching a planet. It looks like, did you, are you laughing at the little bit of Chandler that I gave you? In the- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> according to the computer, your life pod is now approaching a planet. It looks a lot like Earth from outer space, but you know it isn't Earth. Your home planet is hundreds of light years away. While on a scouting mission in the Cetus Quadrant, you were captured by the Taurons, an evil race that carved out an empire among the stars. Mm. This feels like some adventure, some choices have been made for us already. Uh The Taurons took you to their home planet and forced you into service as a cadet in their space corps. Then during a flight with their major enemy, the Vorks, your spaceship was destroyed. You alone escaped barely in this small life pod. Suddenly, the pod skims over rough terrain. As it touches down, the pod bounces across the ground, then crashes into the side of a huge boulder. Okay, so we are an escaped prisoner of... This is in medias race. Like, another Choose Your Own Adventure book has already happened. (laughs) That's true. Okay, page six. We are emerging from the life pod. Mm-hmm. This is an illustration. Yes. We've crashed on the Shire planet. We're wearing sort of a soft boot and like tunic situation. Yes. Looking a little Hylian. Kind of some, being honest yeah, with some you, kind a little, of shoulder rings. Well, that's how you know we're in space. We got shoulder rings. Yeah, that's true. I got We got a pocket, at least on our left pant leg, which is kind yeah. of neat. Yeah, people okay. come up to us and they say, hey, I like your space pants. And you're like, thanks, it has pockets. <laughs> um, all right, shaken but unharmed, you stagger out through the hatch. Your legs feel stiff as an old dog's. From a quick examination of the life pod, you can tell that it will never fly again. Its nose is crumpled, its fins are broken off, and its electronic and power systems are knocked out. At least your emu- emergency food supplies are intact and your chemical analyzer is working. The atmosphere of the planet is thin, but you're able to breathe. So when your legs regain their strength, the going should be fairly easy. Turn to page 105. Ooh, going deep. You gaze at the strange landscape about you. Not far away is a range of low hills. They face a vast plain stretching to the horizon. The countryside is very beautiful, except for one thing. The hills and meadows are crisscrossed with ugly black streaks as if they'd been raked by a blowtorch. Something on the horizon far across the plain catches your eye. Though it's tiny from the distance, it's clearly a geometric structure. It must have been built by intelligent life. As you watch, several black dots bound up and down in the air above the structure. Several flashes of red light appear along its side, and then a cloud of smoke rises from it. What's causing this strange display, you wonder? It almost looks as if someone's fighting a battle. A few seconds later, you hear a distant rumble. Turn to page 13. Okay. So we could have just turned these pages in order. <laughs> I'm sure there's an algorithm that mixes these up to make them like pleasing. I do feel like sometimes when we're opening one of these books, it does just like it's like turn the page, turn the page, turn the page, and I get a little sure. No, it's it's bored. good to get your flipping muscles yeah. in in order early on. In a moment, all is quiet again. The dots have disappeared, and the structure is now hidden by a pale pall of smoke. You return to the wreckage of the pod and try to get the emergency rescue signal working, but the power cells have all been destroyed. You remove your food and water rations, all-weather parka, chemical analyzer, <laughs> lightweight tent, utility knife, flashlight, and first aid kit. All right, you have your you inven- have our inv- <laughs> Yeah, I got to press I to hit the inventory screen. Carefully, you load them into your backpack. You decide to leave behind your other supplies, ropes, cameras, and heavy tools. You may... <laughs> God, man. This is an astoundingly well-equipped emergency <laughs> escape pod. Yeah. 
<laughs> you may have to travel a long way before you can find food, water, and shelter. I guess I also just quick question mm-hmm. the like emergency rescue signal. I guess that that, that is to who call the Taurons. It seems like they're bad. The Vorks. <laughs> I don't don't know who's in, whose custody we were in yeah. when we were escaping. Again, you look around at the strange landscape as you try to determine which way to go. The geometric structure you saw is still obscured by smoke. You'd like to find civilization, but you don't want to walk into a battleground. Maybe you should head for the hills. Andrew, if you go toward the hills, turn to page 32. If you head across the plains toward the smoke, turn to page 19. All right. These are pretty big choices, so I feel like we should uh, we should mark this one to come back to later if we want to. That sounds great. It might be one of those that's like so far back up the tree that we just never climb this far back yeah, out of the hole that's again. that's true. <laughs> but, um, hmm. Are you running up that hill or are you... Uh, Running toward that smoke. Yeah, running toward that the, smoke. Which is the lesser known sequel song that she did. <laughs> um, I guess I'm, I want to run toward the smoke. I kind of want to be where the action is. Okay, great. Mix, let's mix it up. Turn to page 19. Great. We've Whoa. got a picture. All right, we found the dragons. Oh, these dragons have legs. Look at those. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. So you are lying on the ground looking terrified while three, I think, dragons sort of torch the surrounding countryside. I'm impressed by the two dragons that are full on like upside down. Mm-hmm. Like I can't, birds don't we're do that. We're, often. we're we're looking at them from three very different perspectives, which is neat. Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Uh You strap on your backpack and head out across the plain. You hike for what seems like hours. The structure in the distance barely gets closer. Suddenly, the black spots reappear. You watch as they come toward you. As they get closer and bigger, you recognize them from pictures you've seen in books. They're dragons with their huge bat-like wings, their hideous scaled bodies, and orange-blue flames shooting from their mouths. There's no doubt about it. And you'd always thought dragons were mythical. Well, I mean, you are on an alien planet, kid. You dive to the ground. The dragons scream as they roar overhead, leaving a line of fire behind them. Your hair is scorched by the heat. Suddenly, you see a hole in the ground, like a foxhole in a war zone, you think. You jump in and land a foot away from a creature about half your size, except for a very large and pointed nose that takes up more than half his face. He could pass for a small human. Uh, You look at him and then at your surroundings. You're inside a stone chamber. It is rectangular with roughly carved out walls. Where are you from? The creature asks in a high, vo- oh, high voice. We need a high voice. Yep. Where are you from? No, that's too high. Where are you? Where Where are you from? The creature asks in a high voice. I'm from, you start. But you stop and stare at him in amazement. He's talking to you, and you can understand what he's saying. Oh, boy. This little guy. <laughs> okay. I was just doing normal voice for us. I feel yeah, like that's, that's fine. Easiest, you know. How... How do you know my language, you ask? It's you who knows your language, <laughs> not me, the creature <laughs> replies. <laughs> yeah. give, me, give me some Gumby for this weird alien guy. <laughs> it's you who oh, knows no. your language, not me. Oh. <laughs> you mean you can read my mind, you ask? Not your mind, as you call it, but the language in your head. There were once so many different languages here that people were forced to develop this power so they could communicate. I knew right away that yours is an off-world tongue. My name, by the way, is Kisa, and I am a Dern, one of the tribes of the planet Tambor. 
Our planet used to be a beautiful place with unblemished forests and lakes and fine cities. But that was before the space dragons came and began destroying everything. Dragons from space, you ask in astonishment? Boy. Turn to page 17. I just feel like stuff being from space would be table stakes on this alien world that we've landed on. Like, we've encountered, like, two other full alien civilizations at this point. Our planet used to be... Andrew, I'm just, like, thinking about what this planet used to be here on Tambor. Beautiful Uh place. Unblemished forests. Lakes and Mm -hmm. fine cities. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're fine. These cities are fine. There's good good neighborhoods and bad neighborhoods. All right. Page 17. Yes, Kisa replies. There have always been dragons on Tambor, dragons of flesh and blood, but the new ones from space are made of metal and crystal. <laughs> They're worse than the Hiskos. <laughs> the, the terrible flying creatures that live high in the clouds of Tambor and swoop down to carry off and eat unwary derns. Kisa talks so fast you can barely keep track of what he's saying. That's not how we've been playing him so far, but that's fine. The space dragons just drove me back out of the ruins of Shadar, the city up ahead, he continues before you can even ask a question. I was searching in the central library. There may be information there that will help me fight them, and our best scientist, Dr. Nikai, is working on a way to help is working on a way to overcome them with sound power. Yes! This rules. This rules. I've there are so few times in your life. That you will just meet someone who is a sentient lore dump. Mm-hmm. Like, I am so grateful for Kisa in this Thank moment. Thank you, Kisa, yes. Oh, boy. Dr. Nakai and the sound power. Mm-hmm. Love that band. I'll, I'll, this is a short page, and you haven't made a choice yet, so I'll read this one. So okay. Oh, yes, please. Great. Kisa climbs out of the hole. You're right behind him, and luckily there's no sign of the space dragons. I'm going back to search in the library in Shannar, Kisa says as he sets off at a brisk pace. I must try to find a way to defeat the dragons. You may come with me if you wish, but it would be safer for you to stay underground. I can show you a tunnel entrance near here. The tunnel leads to the realm of the Derns, far beneath the ground. My people there will help you. If you go with Kisa to Shannar, turn to page 24. If you decide to go underground, turn to page 70. Wow. Um, <laughs> the, the realm of the Derns. The realm of the Derns. Uh, I think... Is that where Laura Dern is from? Hey. Do you think? That would be cool. That would be cool. Based on your um, run to the smoke choice, mm-hmm. I think I want to go with Kisa to Shannar. All right. You want to continue to be where the action is. Yeah, We're sure. an action-oriented boy. Yeah. Or girl. Or girl. Yeah. Um, within the hour, you and Kisa have reached the magical city of Shannar. <laughs> the buildings that haven't been destroyed by the dragons are shimmering crystalline shapes, the most beautiful you've ever seen. Why do the dragons keep attacking the city, you ask? That is one of the great mysteries about them, Kisa says. <laughs> we don't know. You are threading your way through the debris when Kisa suddenly stops and listens. Quick, we must hide, he whispers. Something is coming toward us. You follow Kisa as he scampers behind a low, fire-blackened wall. Both of you crouch and listen. Somewhere, not far away, is the sound of many feet crunching along. As the sound comes closer, Kisa peeks through a crack in the wall. He gives a cry of surprise and stands up. I love that these are space dragons made of metal and crystal. And Kisa's like, you know, one of the great mysteries about them, though, is why they are attacking our city. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) All right. Page 10. Page 10. 
Those are tempors, Kisa exclaims. Gee whiz, this is cool. this is a like lot I'm of words. Whoa, who or something? <laughs> yeah. So this is a picture of Kisa who looks like. Boy, yeah. who does Kisa? Kisa's got a very long, big, um, triangular nose. Kisa's got a nose like the part in Beetlejuice when I think it's Alec Baldwin stretches his face really long. Mm-hmm. Or Gina, <clears throat> I think it's Alec Baldwin does that when they're trying to be scary and he makes his face just real long. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like he's wearing a plague mask, but it's part of his face. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a weird horse behind him. With like tentacle eye stalks, four of them, mm-hmm. and kind of just wobbly ears. <laughs> yeah, it's like a weird, a weird horse and be- and crystal buildings. And but we're still, I'm sure it's beautiful. Yeah, and we're still in our like tunic. Our backpack has disappeared for some yep. reason. Yep, I don't know if we dropped it or, or what. Uh huh. Those are tempors, Kisa exclaims. I wonder what they are doing in the city. I thought they were almost extinct. My people used to tame them and ride them. Before the space dragons came, there were large herds of tempors wandering across the plains. Now they are very rare. You look over the wall. Several tall, four-footed animals are grazing nearby. They resemble horses, except their legs are longer and very thin. Their heads are also long and thin, with round, oversized ears at one end and two sets of eyes on stalks at the other. They must be scavenging for food, Kisa says. They were once huge. There were once huge storehouses of grain in the city. Most were burned by the dragons. Suddenly, the Templars turn away from you and strain their ears as if they're listening for something. Their eyes wobble at the ends of their stalks. Kisa, who is facing in the same direction, also becomes rigid. The dragons are coming back. We'll either have to get out of the city fast or hide underground. I can't take responsibility for your life. The choice must be yours. What is? <sighs> if you set out across the countryside, turn to page eighty-four. If you hide underground, turn to page twenty. Well, we're still trying to get to this library, right? Like, I, yeah. Uh, Kisa, I don't. Mm. <laughs> I'm not. Kisa is a double-edged sword, and he talk. He talks a lot, which is also which is another God. thing about Kisa. <laughs> I guess I want to hide underground. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to like stay on the track that we're on. Yeah, sure. I and I feel like setting out across the countryside might lead us to another adventure, which is fine. But mm-hmm. or like the hills that we didn't want to go to in the first place. Yeah, we might loop. We might like jump the rails onto another yeah. story. Okay. So let's find page ground. Page twenty. Okay. I'd certainly feel safer underground. You say. Then follow me, Kiza replies, hurrying between two large piles of debris. There should be a... Yes, here it is. Kisa suddenly vanishes, and you run over to where he was standing. Sure enough, there's an opening in the ground. You try to lower yourself into it carefully, but you slip and find yourself sliding down a long chute. You land at the bottom with a thud. Ow, you cry out. My knee! Are you badly hurt? Can you walk? Kisa calls out from somewhere ahead in the darkness. Also, what's a knee? <laughs> I'm all right. I just skinned my knee, you call back. I shouldn't have got so far ahead, Kisa says, coming back to where you're sitting on the ground and nursing your knee. What do we do now, you ask. We'll wait until our eyes get accustomed to the dim light, Kisa says. Then we'll find out what's down here. After a while, you and Kisa start moving again down a long passageway. In many places, the ceiling is caved in and you have to climb over piles of rubble. You go on and on. You must be all the way to the edge of the city or beyond it, you think. 
Then you see a bright light in the tunnel up ahead. Both of you hurry toward it. When you get there, you can only gape in amazement. Kisa lets forth a squeal of delight. What luck? Turn to page 14. Boy, I hope there's a whole nother <laughs> alien I have to learn about on page Jeez. 14 here. Oh, boy. Ooh, we found a, an old... What, what's the name of the... The, the Dern. Derns? Yeah. We found an, old, an elder Dern with a long beard down to the floor. We're standing in a room full of... Tink- Tinctures, I guess. Flasks and things, yeah. Flasks, yeah, and we are, and and the old Dern is holding up a shining flask, and we're looking at it with a sense of wonder. Um, our knee looks fine. Standing there in front of you is a small figure with a beard that stretches all the way to the ground. He is clearly a Dern, like Kisa, though certainly a strange-looking one. Whoa! <laughs> the figure beckons for both of you to follow him into a brightly lit space off the crumbling tunnel. You find yourself in a room lined with shelves of glass and ceramic jars of every possible shape and size. A crystalline sphere caps each jar. Kisa and the bearded Dern talk excitedly to each other in a strange language. I am Dr. Nikai. Welcome to my laboratory, says the bearded creature, turning toward you. Kisa has explained that you are a friend from another planet. I'd like to help you fight the space dragons if I can, you reply. Splendid! You couldn't have arrived at a better time. Dr. Nikai takes one of the glass jars from the shelf. As he does, tiny points of light inside the jar sparkle like fireflies. He taps the glass bead on one end with his fingernail, producing a high musical note. This tone tone seems to attract the space dragons, he says. Listen, you'll hear them. Turn to page 44. Did we sign up to fight the space dragons? We did find Dr. Nikai, though, which is what you wanted to do. This that is, is what true. This is what you want. I just don't remember like our character being like, I'm here to fight I'm the here space. to fight the space. I just learned about these things, and they seem really scary, but I'm here to fight them. <laughs> I'm glad you we- were the first guy I met, and I am on your side all the way. <laughs> I would die for you, Kisa. I'm glad that we that we met Dr. Nikai, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. In a few moments, a loud crashing sound comes from directly above, and a tremor like an earthquake rumbles through the room. Small bits of the ceiling fall down around you. Dr. Nakai quickly taps the other end of the bottle and produces a different note. The sound of the dragons quickly ends. Page three. Page three. I'll just read the next one. That was yeah, very just short. Keep, keep a roll on yeah. I don't know why that was its own page. This is an acoustic bottle, the professor says. The note made by this end of the bottle attracts the dragons while the other note drives them away. This and other experiments have led me to believe that the space dragons are not true life forms at all, but are machines. Mechanical monsters that arrived here accidentally from another planetary system. Accidentally? How can you how can you sense intent from them? They're machines, dude. Uh Living living here on Tambor, we all know about real dragons, Kisa says. Once native dragons roamed the planet, but they always lived... Once native dragons roamed the... Once native dragons roamed the planet, but they always lived peacefully with other creatures. Now the few that are left hide in caves, for they are more terrified of the space dragons than any other creature on our planet. But why are the space dragons destroying your planet, you ask? I've given a lot of thought to that also, says Dr. Nakai. I think they're a kind of weapon. Perhaps they were sent to fight a different enemy, but they went astray and accidentally found this planet. Accidentally? Tambor probably resembles the target planet in some basic way. Maybe we could drive them off Tambor with your acoustic bottle, Kisa says. 
Turn to page 12. A lot of... Where did he test of, this hypothesis? I don't know. I mean, we've only met two guys, so it's really hard for me to get a sense <laughs> of these people as a culture. I have not yet been able to make a strong enough bottle, Dr. Nikai says. The sounds have a limited range. There's no way I could cover the whole planet. But there is this to think about. Since the dragons are only machines, they must also have a base where they are serviced and repaired. What? Probably by robots that come with them. <laughs> According to my calculations, that base shouldn't be far from here. What? Your calculations, Craig. Can I keep up? If someone could sabotage it so the dragons couldn't be maintained, they would eventually break down every one of them, and we'd be rid of them. Turn to page 16. What? So we're, our job is to impose sanctions on the dragon regime so that they can no longer maintain their equipment. <laughs> And their force falls apart. What calculations is he using to calculate where their base is? He couldn't. It's, it's He's too smart to explain it to you. Um, okay. I want to read this one. Even though that one was short, you haven't made a choice in a bit. So can I read okay. this one? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Dr. Nakai walks over to the wall and pulls down a map of Tambor. This is Shinar right here, he says, pointing to a spot on the map. I've noted fire tracks made by the space dragons in their goings and comings. My guess is that their base is on the Regi Plateau over here. I have a bad leg and cannot travel well. Oh, sure you do. Besides, I must stay here and work to improve my acoustic bottles. (laughs) (laughs) Would you two be willing to look for the dragon base? If you can find it, I believe that together we can defeat them. I, ho- I think it is our best hope, Kisa says, but it is a hard journey. We must cross the Darblon Mountains. <laughs> Please hurry, Dr. Nakai says, before the space dragons destroy everything. You nod in assent. Your only question is whether you should go back. Your only question. That's the only question that you have. Is whether you should go back to the life pod for more supplies before setting out on such a difficult journey i think what i'm really responding to this book with is just the off the chart video game energy of this. it's a lot yeah like it's they have like two kilobytes of storage space to come up with a reason why you need to shoot the aliens and so that's what and and they're just doing all they can in as small a space as they can and they're not real dragons they're robot dragons they're so robot metal space fine. yeah Ugh. Andrew, I if, feel like these the two choices? guys have found oh. an e- an easy mark. They mm. and the, they're trying to scam us. Oh, maybe but they we'll made see. the dragons. Maybe they made the dragons. Ooh, and their acoustic bottles. My, work my my acoustic bottles. If you I set must work with my bottles. <laughs> if you, Andrew, if you set out immediately for the Darblon Mountains, turn to page nine. If you decide to return first to the life pod for more supplies, turn to page 79. The only thing in the pod was like cameras and stuff, right? Like it's just going to expose us to more Uh, dragon attacks. It's a long walk. Rope was there was rope back Mm. there. All right. I'm going to put a marker in this one, too, because a lot of reading Lord of the Rings has convinced me of the utility of a good rope. But I also do just want to go to the Darblon Mountains (laughs) and see what's up. (laughs) So let's go to page nine, hit up the Darblon Mountains. Beautiful mountains. Before you leave for the Darblon Mountains, Dr. Nakai hands you one of his acoustic bottles. This may protect you, he says. 
while you're gone, I will build an even stronger one. He shows you and Kisa to a stairway that leads back up to the surface. There he wishes you good luck and bids you farewell. You and Kisa set out at a fast pace over the plain. From time to time, you cast your eyes around the sky. Thankfully, you see no sign of the dragons. Soon you come to a broad riverbed. It's certain that once a great river flowed here, but now there's only the barest trickle of water. This dry riverbed shall serve as our road, says Kisa. It will take us to the Great Rift, which lies between us and the Darblon Mountains. Great Rift, you repeat. What's that? It's hard to describe, Kisa replies. You'll just have to see it when we get there. Page 45. I bet it's not that hard to describe. It's a great rift. I bet it's just like a... It's a big big, rift in the ground, yeah. It's Mm -hmm. a Grand Canyon, maybe. Um, You and Kisa follow the riverbed for hours. As you trudge along, you notice a small black dot high in the sky. Then the dot starts getting bigger. Kisa, a dragon, you shout. You look up in horror as the dark shape plummets towards you. A bottle, Kisa yells, but you are already holding it above your head. You tap it again and again. You hear the weird vibrating tone that Dr. Nakai produced in his laboratory. The dragon swerves into your great relief flies off at great speed. Kisa smiles. Thank goodness, but we must hurry if more than one dragon comes. You and Kisa continue on at an even faster pace. Soon you reach the edge of a cliff overlooking a huge natural chasm. It looks about half a mile deep and almost as much across. The other side is barely visible though the thick mist that's ri- through the thick mist that's rising from the chasm. This is the great rift, Kisa says. Normally there would be a tremendous waterfall tumbling into the river below, but because of the recent dryness on the planet it's only a trickle. <laughs> There's a very narrow trail that leads down the face of the cliff and up the other side, but it might be better if we headed south. Eventually, the rift becomes much narrower, and there's a natural bridge across it. Listen, Kisa, we've heard of the Grand Canyon, okay? (laughs) If you go down the face of the cliff, Andrew, turn to page 21. If you go south, turn to page 63. Face of the cliff. 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 Kisa finds the beginning of the trail cut into the face of the cliff. He starts down. You try to follow close behind. The trail is hardly more than a series of footholds, clearly intended for someone Kisa's size. You haven't gone far when you realize how dangerous it is. You'd like to climb back up, but Kisa is already descending the cliff far below you. You probe downward with your foot for each new foothold, trying to concentrate on one step at a time. After what seems like forever, you reach the bottom. Uh, Kisa is patiently sitting with his back against the base of the cliff. You rest for a while yourself, taking some food and drink from your pack and sharing it with Kisa. Then the two of you start out across the floor of the canyon. You and Kisa wade across the shallow stream that flows along the rift. You clamber up onto dry land. You're happy not to have gotten wet much above the knees. Kisa doesn't seem to mind that he's soaked up to his neck, but ahead of you is the sheer face of a 200-foot-high cliff. There should be a way up, Kisa says. My guess is we've gone too far south. If we head north along the base, we should eventually find a way to the top. Turn to page eight. Man, okay. You and Kisa hike along the bottom of the cliff. Suddenly, a huge form emerges from the mists at the base of the cliff. It looks like a giant caterpillar, bristling with immensely long hairs. Another of the enormous creatures emerges behind it. Don't be alarmed, Kisa says, sensing your fright. The Nedigs won't attack us. They are just curious. I hope they're not too curious, you say. I'd hate to have one crawl over me. Each one must weigh a hundred tons. They are usually friendly, Kisa says. In fact, that gives me an idea. Kisa 
gives a high-pitched whistle. A few seconds later, one of the Nettigs makes a similar sound. When the Nettig gets close enough, grab hold of its hair and hang on, Kisa says. Grab hold? But what? You start to ask. Quick, Kisa exclaims. Here it comes now. Turn to page 26. This is just a fun adventure that we're having. But Big Bug. Whoa, look Look at these these bugs! (laughs) Got like a little fly head, but then a big spiky caterpillar body. And then they've got like porcupine hair. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the huge form of the Nedig looms close to you. Each of its hairs is as thick as a sapling. You see Kisa jump onto the creature's back and grab hold of a hair. You do the same and suddenly find yourself rising up along the face of the cliff as if you were in a fast elevator. You hang on for dear life. After a while, a rock ledge appears in the mists only a few feet away. Jump, Kisa hollers as he springs onto the ledge. You follow his instructions, but you don't jump as far as he did, so you're left dangling from the ledge as you hold on tightly with both hands. Kisa runs over and hauls you up onto the ledge. It's the first time you realize how strong he is for his size. Turn to page 34. The Nettigs vanish into a cave. You haven't done a choice in a while. You want me to do this? Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. The Nettigs vanish into a cave in the cliff, the sound of their strange whistles receding into the distance. If I'm right, Kisa says, this ledge will lead us to the top of the cliff. You hike along the ledge, then gradually climb to the top. At last, you find yourself on level ground. You and Kisa rest, then start off again, up the rocky slopes of, of, slopes of the Reggie Mountains. Weren't we headed to the... Dar block mountains or something. Else. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> After a few hours of hiking, you're at the base of the mountain. There's a trail leading straight up. Should you start climbing or hike along the base and look for a pass? If you go straight up the mountain, turn to page 28. If you scout around the base first, turn to page 30. Okay. Gut check here. I'm mm-hmm. kind of tired. We just yeah. came out of the Great Rift. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm ready to start hiking right away. But we rode a big spiky caterpillar up the whole way i had to hold on to its bristles yeah i guess you want to go straight up the mountain no this is your choice to make you do what you want i think i'm kind of i'm kind of tired we did a lot of hiking walking i want to scout around the base first all right here we go maybe there'll be another bug and give us a ride all right page 30 Uh uh-oh uh-oh oh Oh, no (laughs) it doesn't take you long to find a narrow road going around the base of the mountain this is very strange, Kisa says. I've never seen a road like this. The way it's built up on the sides, it looks like some kind of track. Following this road halfway around the mountain, you reach a huge semicircular door. The door is open, and you peer cautiously through it into a dark tunnel. From somewhere deep within the mountain, you can hear the hum of machinery. This is exciting, Kisa says. I think we found an entrance to the Dragon Maintenance Center. We have to climb. We won't have to climb the mountain. You glance apprehensively at Kisa. If that's so, it means this tunnel may not be too good. Your words are interrupted by a roaring, rasping sound from behind, turning you confront one of the dragon monsters hurtling towards you. You hold out your acoustic bottle, but before you can tap it, it melts in a sheet of orange-blue flame. The end. So we're dead. We're dead. A, we're you dead. know, a, a death I earned. A warrior's death. A warrior's explorer's death. You know, from a Would robot you... dragon, not from like some stupid bug I'd never met before. Yeah, but one that like snuck up on you, which feels a little Well, I made a bad choice. Your part. I walked sure. into his house mm-hmm. and he was like, hey, Castle Doctor. This is my house. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Um, okay, do you want to go 
back just a little bit and then like go straight up the mountain instead? Or do you want to go further back and expose us to a larger constellation of choices? So if, if, well, if you want to stay with the Dr. Nakai plot, we could go back to the life pod instead of mm-hmm. going to the Darblon mountains. Mm-hmm. Or I would say I was I would vote for that choice or the OG to the smoke or to the planes choice. Sure, let's go. Let's okay. So Doctor Nakai has has assigned us this this thing, and we've said that I was put on this planet to fight the yeah. space dragons yeah. for some reason, <laughs> and we're gonna go back to the pod for more supplies, which Great. takes us to page seventy nine. Great. The dragons above have stopped their attack. You and Kiza say goodbye to Dr. Nakai, and he gives you the acoustic bottle to take with you. After a few hours' trek, you reach the wreckage of your life pod. Kisa is fascinated by the strange craft, but while he is examining it, he lets out a scream and starts running back toward the plane. Come back! What's the ma- You start. A blow on the back of your head stops you short. Dr. Nakai's acoustic bottle flies out of your hand and crashes to the ground. The next moment, you feel yourself being lifted up into the air. Your last thought before you black out is, I've been captured by the dragons! Turn to page 113. Got punched by a dragon? <laughs> I knew I was right not to go back to the stupid pod for supplies. <laughs> I knew it was a honey pot. When you come to, you're at the center of a curved surface. You're surrounded by large bird-like humanoids, all wearing elaborate harnesses. Huge artificial wings are attached to them. You sit up the best you can and look around. You're not sure exactly where you are, but you seem to be on top of a large balloon of some sort. To one side, you can see the desolate landscape of Tambor far below. What is this? What do you want with me? You ask. The creatures surrounding you grunt in response and look at each other with puzzled expressions. Turn to page 97. All right, uh, illustration here is us with some bird bird boys on top of a big orb. Bird boys, but it said that they're like, their wings aren't necessarily real. Okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Then you see one of the bird people flying up from below. He holds Kisa in his talon-like hands. The bird man carrying Kisa lands next to you and drops him at your feet. Kisa, you exclaim, what are these creatures? They are the Hiskos. Kisa exclaims, predators of the sky, they even kill us derns for food. At least I can use their language. (laughs) Kisa looks at the Hiskos and gives a series of grunts. They reply with the same kind of sounds. Kisa explains, they say there are so few derns left on the surface of Tambor that they can no longer survive. I can't say I have much sympathy for them since I'm a dern myself. They say the dragons must be destroyed so the derns will return to the surface in large numbers. If we help them get rid of the dragons, they will let us live. But what can we do to help you, ask? Kisa translates your question to the Hiskos. They need a weapon of some sort, Kisa says. Their spears don't affect the dragons. So it's not like, let's put aside our differences and like find a way to unite in the face of adversity and create a better society. It's like, if you let us, if you help us defeat the dragons, then we can eat you again. (laughs) There's a new and everybody wins. There's a new predator in this everybody territory. Everybody gets what they want, yeah. and it's really messing up the the hunting population mm-hmm. that we have a license for. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one hundred four. One hundred four. Uh, I think they smashed their best bet when they made me drop my acoustic bottle back at the life pod. You say, 
We'll have to think of something else, Kisa says. What's this thing we're sitting on, you ask? It's a yaria, a plant that grows in the only swamp left on Tambor. They expand and fill with hydrogen as they grow. When they are full grown, they break loose and float up into the air. The Hiscos give them, gather them to form floating villages high in the sky. For some reason, the dragons never bother them up here. You have an idea. Actually, two ideas. The first involves going back to your life pod. No. The other is to go back to the city and try to find the professor again. If you tell the Hiscos you have to go back to the life pod, turn to page 91. If you say you need to go back to Shinar, turn to page 102. Gotta go back to Shinar. Shinar. I am bookmarking this one, but I'm not going back to the life pod again. No. No. The Hiscos fly you back to Shinar and help you find the underground entrance to the realm of the Derns. To make sure you don't escape, they stand guard while you try to find Dr. Nikai. You remember the way well enough from your previous visit, but when you finally reach Dr. Nikai's laboratory, you find it in a shambles. Most of his bottles are broken, and the inside of the laboratory has been ravaged by fire. What could have happened? (laughs) There's no way the Hiscos or dragons could have passed through the narrow tunnels leading to the refuge of the Derns. In the midst of a pile of broken glass, you spy a note, no more than a series of strange symbols, the written language of the Derns. Beneath the writing is a maze-like diagram that could show the route to where Dr. Nakai has gone. Ugh, this guy knew that Richard Brightfield was going to get us into a maze. He loves mazes. Ugh. There seems little doubt that Dr. Nakai was fleeing still another predator on this unfortunate planet. Should you follow the diagram and try to find him, or should you go back to the surface and face the Hiscos? If you try to find Dr. Nakai, turn to page 109. If you return to the surface, turn to page 87. I like the doctor. You like the doctor. I'm concerned for him. 109. 109. Whoa, okay. You find an exit at the far side of the demolished laboratory and located on the diagram. You follow a dark corridor. The light gets better as you come to a wall at the end. Now you have to go either left or right. You look carefully at the diagram and follow the testing path. The testing passageways each way with your finger. The route to the right may come to a dead end, or the symbol on the diagram may indicate a stairway going up or down. Ooh, we don't know what the map means. The route on the left leads to a room that could be Dr. Nakai's new laboratory. It's hard to be sure. How much if time you go to the, has he had to set up a whole nother laboratory? Great question. I don't people are making a lot of uh, declarative statements. Yeah, just about like reality. oh yeah, this, the, this is a like, note, and this is the written language of the Derns. It's okay. I'm gonna. Yeah. Uh, these dragons are definitely robots. If you go to the left, turn to page one sixteen. If you go to the right, turn to page eighty two. I'm so mad. We're in a maze. Uh, one sixteen. Turn to the left. Great. You go to the left and follow the twisting maze to a brightly lit room. Inside, Doctor Nakai is hunched over a workbench. He looks up as you approach. Ah, there you are again. Did you have any luck with the dragons? Never mind. I can see by your face that you didn't. I had to retreat down here. I had a particularly successful test of my acoustic bottles. I attracted lots of dragons. They landed so hard on the ground above my lab that they knocked down half the ceiling. I'm glad you're safe, you say. And I'm glad you found me, Dr. Nakai replies, leaping up from his stool. I've perfected my bottle. This one has a much wider range. It may cover the entire planet. That is, if I can figure out how to get it high enough in the sky. I think I could arrange that, you say. You can? How? asks the scientist. The Hiscos can, you start. But you were gone for two hours, and I've solved the the one, the biggest problem that's plagued me in my entire body of work the entire time that I've been alive. Without anyone doing anything mm-hmm. to make it happen. 
Mm-hmm. Page 111. At the mention of the Hiskos, the professor frowns. The Hiskos are our enemies, but first things first, we must stop the dragons before tackling our age-old problem of the Hiskos regarding us only as food. I'll take the bottle, you say. They understand that I want to stop the dragons. You are our only hope, Dr. Nakai says. He reaches into a cabinet and pulls out a bottle considerably larger than the ones he'd made before. Do you think you can carry this? It's not as heavy as it looks. You grab hold of the bottle. It's actually heavier than it looks, even in the light gravity of Tambor. But you don't intend to let that stop you. You thank Dr. Nakai and say goodbye, then struggle back to the surface with the bottle. Turn to page 75. I like for the Hiskos that this is like teaming up with a sandwich to try and defeat your enemy. Yeah. Yep. The Hiskos are waiting for you. One of them carries you and another carries the bottle back to their city in the sky. This device will get rid of the dragons, you say, but I'll only show you how to use it if you promise to stop eating the durns. We will try to do without them, says the leader of the Hiskos. Actually, since they've been so scarce, we've had to learn to eat other foods. They are now just a very rare delicacy. If you ring this end, you explain to the Hiskos and tap the bottle. The note that sounds much louder than you expected, it pulses hypnotically through the air. Can I just... Weren't, didn't we need to translate through Kisa before? Yeah, but it's, we've been on the planet for a little bit longer, so I guess now we understand the Hiskos. Or maybe okay. they found it. They found a translator on okay. their balloon, their balloon city. <laughs> yeah, maybe they have a translator. That's fine. Page sixty-one. Okay. Yes. Again and again, you tap the bottle. Ooh. Loud as it is, your ears can stand it. So beautiful are the tones and overtones, making up the harmonic pulse of sound. You can only compare it to a chord played on a great organ. The Hiskos fly out in all directions to survey the effects of Dr. Nakai's bottle. In a few hours, the reports come back. Everywhere, the dragons are dropping from the sky. Peace has come back to Tambor. The end. We did it. We solved it. I don't think we've ever gotten such a conclusive victory. Yeah, we did. We win. This is pretty good. Um, okay, we've got a little bit of time. Do you want to see what happens? Like, if we just go, go to the planes, or like go, to, I feel like that's going to be too long. Do you want to mm. see what happens if you go back to the life pod with the Hiskos? Oh yeah, let's do that. All right, page okay. ninety one. Great. Take it away. Your knowledge that hydrogen can be a very potent explosive gives you an idea. <laughs> Remember the big balloon, the Yar Yarmas. Yar- Yarnals. That's a very different possibility. The, okay. the big ball that the Hiskos live on is full of hydrogen because they have the hydrogen, but they can't call anything else a normal name. Yep. Uh, tell them I have to go back some to where they captured me, you say. Kisa speaks to the Hiskos in their own language. All right, we're back to not understanding the Hiskos again. Great, yep. They say that it's all right for you to do so, but that you will be closely guarded, Kisa says. They say I must stay here. One of the Hiskos picks you up and flies back to your life pod. Several others follow. You crawl inside the pod and search around for something that can be used as a fuse. You find a large cloth sheet and tear it up into thin strips. You also find a small, old-fashioned flint lighter from Earth. You get all these things together, and when you come out again, the Hiskos carry you back to Kisa. 
Tell them, you say to Kisa, that whenever there's a dragon below, they must puncture a Yarya so enough of the gas escapes for it to fall straight down. At the same time, they must attach one of these strips of cloth and light it with this lighter. When the cloth burns to the skin of the Yarya, the Yarya will explode and destroy the dragon. They can bomb the dragons out of the sky. Holy, aren't the Yarya like their entire infrastructure? Yeah, but it's fine. There's one swamp that they still grow in, so it's probably going to be fine. All right. Yeah, page 103. Yeah, this is good. Kisa explains Whoa. it to Whoa, Kisa explains it to all the Hiskos. At first the Hiskos don't believe your plan will work, but after they've destroyed the first few dragons, you and Kisa become their heroes. The Hiskos have gone so long without the Durns for food that in desperation they've turned to a number of edible plants to stay alive. They realize now that they like their new food just as much. But you teach the Durns how to make and shoot bows and arrows to fight off the Hiskos, just in case the Hiskos revert to their old ways. The Durns didn't have bows in it. The Durns are so <laughs> grateful that they elect you their new Grand Emperor. They the have, end. They have giant crystal buildings and like acoustic bottles and wonderful technology, but they don't have proje- like basic like Bronze Age projectile weapons. Nope, they do not. So but that they're pretty sure is... based on their calculations that these dragons are robots. That arguably is an even better ending for us. I mean, I think for for the planet, the first ending is a little bit better because the Hiskos and the Durns get to live together in harmony and and they find a a non-violent way to destroy all the dragons, but... Because this one where they the, where they blow up their houses to also destroy the dragons yeah, is pretty good. You are you are now the emperor of the newly warlike Durns. Of the Durns. <laughs> and we can our, our the sun will never set on the Durnish Empire. <laughs> we're never going home, but we're home now. Yeah, this is our home. This is a fun book. It's a lot of book. Yes. And I, my I'm glad that the extra stuff that we encountered, the bugs and the bird people. And the Yaryas. And the Yaryas. And the caterpillar guys. I'm glad that that did not, that all of those plot lines intersected back with the dragons. I like Like they did too. And then I also like that there's a whole nother plot line with the Taurons and the Vorps or whatever they're called (laughs) that we didn't even get to experience. Yeah, I wonder if any of that is in the rest of this book. I bet bet it's not. I bet it's just, you know, fun table setting. I think it's possible that I, I could be misremembering or making something up. I feel like it has ever been the case that Choose Your Own Adventure books have ever been sequential and like happened in the same universe. I don't know if any of these do. I do know that I think... Doesn't the space vampire show up in multiple Choose Your Own Adventure that, books? That might be true. And and I'm fairly certain that Richard Brightfield's amazing adventures... Um, well, that's not canon, even though he well, did no, try to I'm trap just, us in no, his amazing no, maze. No, I'm not trying to say that they're book. in the same canon as this. I'm just trying to... I think from that game books page that I was reading um, that a lot of his amazing adventures are supposed to like take place in the same world. It may or may not be the same world as the Zork books mm-hmm. that I think were published by Tor as well um, as kind of counter-programming to all these choose-your-own-adventure books. Um, so I think, to your to your point, Andrew, I think Richard Brightfield would be, would approve of someone 
riffing on a lot of these like political <laughs> machinations <laughs> that he came up with mm-hmm. for this book. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that they were going to be robots. They, they, the Derns didn't know they're robots. They just said that they were. Yeah. And I kind of, I just, I want to know more about the real dragons. <laughs> I, yeah, I bet. I bet there's more in the book about the real dragons. If we if we yeah. went out into the hills or something, I bet we would have met some real dragons and got to do some never ending story. That would be cool. Writing yes. of writing of large animals. Ride a dragon, like reclaim the word dragon from the space dragons. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, it Hashtag does it does explain dragons. why. They say, "Oh, these are space dragons," and it's to distinguish them from the normal dragons that they that they already knew about. I wouldn't have minded meeting who is quote unquote behind the space dragons. Mm-hmm. If they're, you know, what I mean. All I know is that they ever come back, they got the they got emperor to to worry about, <laughs> and I, we yeah. got our bows and arrows. We got the, the Hiscos em- running scared. It's the it's emperor of be a Yeah, mm-hmm. that's us. God Emperor of Tampor, us, a 12-year-old lad or lass. Love it. Yeah. Space kid. That's us. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I don't think we've ever gotten such successful endings, Andrew. Good job. Yeah, good we choices. win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good choices, good voices. Um, if you, the listener, enjoyed this episode, but you would have made some different choices. Not a lot of voices, but we got a lot of mileage out of the ones that we That's very true, actually. Um, if you had other ideas for the choices, you can tell us what you would have done. Send us an email at overduepod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook and Twitter with what you think is the true story of the space dragons. Mm-hmm. What if Dr. Nakai's not right? What, if what, he's what else could be possible? What if Dr. Nakai created them to solve the conflict between the the Derns and the Hiscos and it got away from him. Give that man the Namblorn prize yeah. for peace, you know? <laughs> Thanks to Nick Larandis who composed our theme music. Andrew, if folks want to know more about our podcast, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. We have links to the books that we have read and the ones we are going to read. Click those. You go to bookshop.org. You get the book. They get a cut, your local independent bookseller gets a sale. I'm not sure, honestly, what the deal is when you click on a used Choose Your Own Adventure book on bookshop.org, but I bet they've got something that happens. Yeah, probably. Um, what else is going Patreon.com slash overdupod, get access to our Discord server, and uh, get bonus episodes early and all kinds of other rewards. Again, Patreon.com slash overdupod to find out more. You support us, you support our show, you support our children yeah. that we have. Yeah. Uh and yeah, that's the deal. Um so that's we are it. we are in the middle of Craig's paternity leave right now, which means that I don't know if we can say what our next book is with any certainty, but overduepodcast.com again is where we have the the schedule and we will keep that up to date as we go. Yeah. Or just tune in next Monday for something. Whatever choice we made next. Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Watch your back uh we're the emperor of the Derns and we're coming for you. But Play the until, bottles. Yes. Uh, and until we see you then, try to be happy. <laughs>
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>